That's right. You heard it. It is the Magic School Bus of Pro Wrestling Podcasts arriving to you. The next stop, February the 7th in professional wrestling history. We are the Retrosexuals, and this is marking out the days. Thank you all so very much for joining us once again this week as we uh, we, we go on our, feel, our weekly field trip throughout the history of professional wrestling. And it wouldn't be a field trip if I didn't have my good buddy, my fellow Retrosexual, joining me once again this week. Kobe Nida from Retromania, the mayor of Retromania, if you will. Kobe Nida joining me here on this field trip in pro wrestling history. What's going on, man? What's up, Dave? What's up going on? You're the mayor over at Kicking Out at Two. Um, mayors well, collide. <laughs> this is uh, Mayor Mayhem, um, not the massacre. Not a mayor <laughs> massacre, but... Uh, I'm jumping ahead to next week, but no, February seventh, okay. man. What's up, dude? Hey, man. It's uh, it's it's quite the day in wrestling history. Uh, um, I had a lot of fun uh, researching uh, some of the events that had transpired in wrestling history this week to prepare us for our discussion this week. So, uh, you know, l- l- let's let's do what we do best and uh, l- l- let's talk the history of professional wrestling on the date. February the 7th. You all have your Sharpies out, cross it off the calendar, and join us for this wonderful ride on the Pro Wrestling Magic School Bus of podcasts. Yes, indeed. Um, Yeah, we're going to go down the line of February 7th in Pro Wrestling History, as we always do here on Marking Out the Days. Dave, you want to preview everybody what's going on over at Kick It On at 2 this week or the following week or yeah. last week? Anything that's going on there before Abs- we get started? Absolutely. I do want to thank, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, give you a special shout there, Cobe, because uh, I want to thank um, the listeners of Retromania um, and Marking Out the Days. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you guys uh, were, uh, were, were listening to the Raw Bull watch along with Kobe and myself from the January 1st, 1996 episode of Monday Night Raw. I want to thank you guys for uh, hitting that download button, checking that out last week. Uh, mm-hmm. This week on Kicking Out at 2, we have um, Mania Game Changers just dropped this week, where uh, I discuss five uh, instances in wrestling history where uh, storylines, or these moments, I should say, um, altered the landscape of the WrestleMania card uh, in particular particular years whether it be behind the scenes or in front of the camera we talk about when Shawn michaels lost his smile and how he fucked up that wrestlemania card we talk about daniel bryan and the yes movement altering things in new orleans in 2014 for wrestlemania 30 the twin referee screw job on saturday night's main event when the million dollar man paid for the plastic surgery brother uh, we talk about that and several Dude. other moments um, in in history and in, res- in, in wrestling history, I should say, that really altered WrestleMania cards of years past. And uh, stay tuned for next week on Kicking Out It Too, as we're gonna do a special Valentine's Day inspired countdown, where I'm gonna cover the top 14 most infamous breakups in all of wrestling history whether that's tag team partnerships alliances uh you know uh, managers and clients valets whatever the case may be i'm gonna cover the top 14 uh 
uh, breakups in all of wrestling history, and you're probably wondering why I picked number 14. Well, um, as some of you may all may or may not know, Valentine's Day traditionally falls on February 14th every single year. So I thought to kind of tie in the Valentine's Day thing, the 14th of February, 14 uh, uh, moments on the countdown, etc., etc., etc. So stay tuned for that next week over at Kicking Out at Two. Wonderful stuff, Dave. Wonderful stuff. Um, I look forward to it. As always, we'll be marking down the days here uh, for Valentine's Day. Yeah, well. that, yeah that, should be, that should be an interesting uh, interesting week. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit when we, uh, when we preview uh, next week's show at the end of this show. Yeah. Um, and over at Retromania right now, we dropped Hulkamania's Dead episode 13, where we were running down the 1999... 1991, I'm sorry, 1991 Royal Rumble, and that was a good one there. Coming up, we'll have WrestleMania 7. This is going to be a big one, so get ready. What's going to happen? Ric Flair is the world champion right now. So, uh, a year prior to his original run. Interesting. Yes, interesting time in WWF. As well as I dropped a special episode of Gaijin Wrestling Radio. It was the match of the month for January. It was Naoki Sano against Jushin Thunder Liger, which was a great match. Um, It was a fun little watch along that I did with Sean Grukowski from Moho Radio over at Better Bewebit and Movie the Podcast. Um, Yeah, that was a fun little episode. And get ready for this week. I will have that takeover review that Jimmy and Sean and I did. Um, We recorded it last week, but I'm dropping it with this review of New Japan the following weeks, and ROH had their Road to G1 Supercard, so that'll be an action-packed episode, as well as the following week, we'll have Match of the Month for February, which will be interesting. Um, uh, Surprise match there, so just hold your horses. Um, But yeah, uh, all that on Retromania. As always, you can find us on Facebook with a W at Retromania, as well as Twitter at Retromania POD. And you can always write to us at Retromania at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, um, let's do this banger, this um, Mega Powers explode on this episode of. Uh, February 7th for marking out the days, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. Ready to rock and roll. All right, the birthdays. We got the first one here, the only notable one of the day for real for me. Um, I guess Hans Schmidt. Um, are you familiar with Hans Schmidt? The name, uh, I'm, I've heard it before. Um, I believe he was a one of the very first NWA World Heavyweight Champions. Uh I would I would imagine um, that he had uh, he had wrestled Luthez, but I'm not certain. So you would have to you you did your homework on this one. This is this is way this is well beyond my time. Yeah, Hans Schmidt, Guy Larousse, um, born February seventh, nineteen twenty five. Uh, he died May twenty sixth, two thousand twelve. Holy um, cow! Yeah. Uh, He's a Canadian professional wrestler. He was famous during the 1950s and 60s. Um, He he was the original like um, anti or like anti-American heel, if you will. 
Okay. He didn't go as far as um, some of the other like goose stepping stuff, but he was a German Nazi. You know, he had that like influence, or you know, he would say that he was. Okay. But he didn't do like he terrible was a sympathizer. Things. He yes. was a Nazi sympathizer. Okay. Yes. And Hans Schmidt was actually a real person in World War II. So, okay, yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so um, he was he was basically, you know, hated so much that he actually turned Nature Boy Buddy Rogers into a face just by simply wrestling him. Like one of those times where the audiences got behind an American so much. Like, this was very influential to future wrestlers like the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, any foreign heel that you can think of. Um, and he definitely did wrestle Luthez several times for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I will include if he did win it or not. I'm not sure about that. But he also wrestled legends like Vern Gagne, Antonio Roca, and Whipper Billy Watson. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just a legend. Yeah, I'd, I'd um, say so, so myself. So, yeah, um, if you get a chance, maybe we can look on YouTube and see if there are some matches, but uh, we'll move on with the day. Let's go to the death days. 1992 on February 7th, Buzz Sawyer, RIP. Yeah, um, I, I, another individual whose name I've heard of before, um, someone who... Um, was very, very popular, or I shouldn't say popular, but someone who had a big mark in the, um, the Mid-Atlantic uh, territory uh, for the, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for Georgia. Uh, I was, it's funny that you brought him up because, uh, you know, like I said, I'd heard the name before, but I wasn't too familiar with him. And um, I, uh, I did some research on, on uh, Buzz Sawyer during my time in the Ken Reedy show. We were doing like a Hell in the Cell uh, retrospective. Um, leading into one of the Hell in the Cell pay-per-views, and I used to do a segment called the Pay-Per-View Throwback, which is very similar to, to, to what we do on this show, okay. um, kind of discussing you know moments that, um, that, that, that coincided on the particular date, or I would try and coincide it with the actual pay-per-view and the theme of that event itself and trying to bring things full circle. Anyhow, it just so happened on that date that the anniversary of... The last battle of Atlanta was was on that pay-per-view um, and it was Buzz Sawyer against Tommy Rich with Paul hmm. Ellering suspended from a like a shark cage. And this was the first okay. this was the first steel cage match that took place uh, where the, the top was closed off um, it, it, to, to like the best of my cell. Yeah, like a hell in the cell. So it was like the blow off to their big rivalry. They had. A long-standing rivalry, rivalry for over a year, and um, it's that match is actually on the Hidden Gems it's on portion the network, right? on the network. Yeah. yeah, I got to watch it. And there's no commentary, um, but it was a fun match. I, I, I thoroughly I enjoyed it. it. It's it's for those of you out there that that you know would like to check it out. You head over to uh, WWE Network, Hidden Gems, Hidden Gems section, and search for the Last Battle of Atlanta. I believe the date is October the twenty third, nineteen eighty three. I was yeah. just barely one Buzz, years old. Yeah, Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich making some history there. It, excuse me. Indeed, yes, they did. I mean, um, you know, it was uh, 
like I said, a long-standing rivalry that you know needed to be settled. They, I think, they traded. Um, uh, I want to say the United States Championship, or maybe the Georgia Championship, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I, you know, I, I, I maybe I should have done my homework with this situation. But uh, yeah, they, um, they, they, they mixed it up and 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 certainly made history. The for, to the best of my knowledge, it's the first steel cage where the roof was enclosed in in the United States in in wrestling history. I believe you're right. Um, yeah, and this is a good one that I found on Hidden Gems as well a couple years back, um, and I really enjoyed it. And just uh, just to give you a little further info, Buzz Sawyer definitely was a territory guy back in the mid-'80s and then um, wrestled for Crockett Promotions in WCW like late, 80s through the 90s and then would meet his demise due to a heart failure cocaine overdose i believe quick question about him um you just said he wrestled crockett you know in the like the late 80s was he a part of um was he a part of that entourage with uh with uh, gary hart when gary hart had like uh great muda and terry funk and a few of those guys was he was was he a part of that I believe he might have been because I believe he was also part of uh, W uh, World Class at some point. Okay. Sure. Yes. Yes. So, I, rem- I remember hearing his name of being a part of that organization as well. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, rest in peace, Buzz Sawyer. Um, when it falls on your birthday, we'll do a little bit more history. But R.I.P. All right, moving on with the day. Let's do the first card here. It's a WWF. Madison Square Garden show from February 7th, 1977. First match on the card, Mil Mascaris defeating Doug Gilbert. Any thoughts? Um, Mil Mascaris, uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, in 97 when he was involved in the Royal Rumble match, um, I thought that was the first time he had ever wrestled for the WWF and he was strictly a Mexican wrestler, but, um, you know, learning years later, he did work for Vince senior and had a couple of, you know, runs in the territory, but, um, didn't really catch on, um, at yeah. that time, you know, for Vince yeah. senior, but, you know, interesting to hear how frequent he made it through New York. Mm-hmm. This was like, definitely like top territory days. Like for example, the next match, Larry Zabisco defeating Execution number number one. Yeah, um, how many executioners have we had in wrestling history? <laughs> Ten or eleven? I don't know. Yeah. Match number three: Billy White Wolf and Chief J Strongbow, the champions, defeating Nikolai Volkov and Tor Kamada. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Moving on, match number four, Carlos Roca defeats Frank Monroe. Stan Stasiak defeats Manuel Soto. Jose Gonzalez, not Jorge Gonzalez, defeats Baron Mikel Cicluna, who I mentioned on last week's episode uh, by DQ. So Sorry, Baron staying strong there. Got another question for you. Jose Gonzalez. Yeah. Yes. Is that the same Jose Gonzalez that was accused of stabbing Bruiser Brody and killing him in Puerto Rico? You don't think so? I, I said I believe so. Oh, you think? Oh, you think so? Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Could be. Interesting. Okay. I was just curious. I, I wasn't. You know. Continue. Yeah. Next match: a draw. Johnny Rods 
against Pete Sanchez. Not familiar with Pete Sanchez. Somewhat Johnny Rods. Next match, the main event. Bruno San Martino goes to a draw with Ken Patera in a Texas death match for the WWF WWF World Heavyweight title. Um, yeah. Just classic Bruno stuff there, keeping the title um, strong by winning by DQ or countout, like we mentioned on last week's show, and running the territory. All right, moving on with the day. Any thoughts from that at all, Dave? No, just the typical, typical yeah, typical, you know, status quo world world wrestling federation action at its finest during that time period. Nothing yep. nothing and, nothing more, nothing less. And definitely more WWF status quo at the time, February seventh, nineteen eighty one. You can find this on WWE Network. It's All Stars Wrestling. It's Vince and Pat Patterson doing the commentary, um, and they're previewing the matches coming up. It's going to be a tag team match involving the Moon Dogs, and then Tony Gurria and Rick Martel will also be in action. And we're going to see Sergeant Slaughter hold his five thousand dollar Cobra Clutch Challenge. And Pat Patterson has been watching. He's been studying for a while. And he might take on the challenge, but he'll sit back for now. And we start the first match. But before we do, Vince McMahon says, the following following exhibition requires discretionary viewers' participation. Meaning, like, uh, you better be smart enough to know that this is not real. That's strange. In layman's terms. Really? And then we get a young Gary Michael Capetta. Wrestling fans, which I'm used to him in Crockett and NWA stuff, right? Um, yeah, Capetta was, yeah, that's how I first knew of him. I didn't know he worked for the World Wrestling Federation until just like recently, like a few years ago, in a shoot interview yeah. I saw with him. That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, he announces Dr. Zaharian will be on the outside. Nice little note there. Um, match <laughs> one. <Zaharian. laughs> <laughs> this was in Allentown, right? I believe so. Oh, well, yeah, that, that, that's um, a given. Yeah. Match one is Braun Shaw and Baron Miguel Zicluna, who I mentioned just a second ago. Uh, versus the WWF champions, Tony Guerrero and Rick Martel. Nothing match here. Vince mixes Rick Martel and Tony Guerrero up and gets corrected by Pat Patterson in the match. <laughs> we get a drop kick from Gurria to both of the guys, and then we get Martel doing the same thing, and then we get a crossbody by Martel, and this is one, two, three, and we get a slow motion replay. They go over. Nothing to see here. They're the tag team champs. The next match or action bit is a $5,000 Cobra Clutch Challenge, and Johnny Rods comes out. And the Grand Wizard comes out with Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter destroys him with the Cobra Clutch here. This is like a classic heel spot. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, and it's, then... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you like you see things like this, you know, in, in, in years to follow with, you know, uh, um, like the Master Lock Challenge with Chris Masters in, in, in like, the early 2000s that, you know... He used to challenge yep. people, you know, just randomly, whether it be wrestlers or guys in the crowd, stuff like that. So, I mean, this is one of those age-old, like, um, 
heat seeking kind of uh segments you know to try and you know really get the the crowd riled up and make you know someone you know make you believe that someone has a shot at getting out of the cobra clutch oh definitely definitely and it would build up i think to pat patterson at some point um because he mentioned it and i know that they had a good feud during the 80s so um we'll see where it goes if we catch up with that date um match number two like as johnny rods is falling out of the ring after he just got hit in this cobra clutch jim duggan just walks in it's jim duggan not hacksaw jim duggan it's just jim duggan he waves kindly at the camera and smiles like it's completely like jobber jim duggan no and he two goes by against four? no two by four no nothing it okay. is white meat baby face jim duggan against sergeant slaughter wow he just beat up johnny rods but he's gonna have a match here and he beats up duggan and he goes to the top rope with a big knee to the throat and then he hits that cobra clutch and duggan gives up and it's over real quick one there we're back from break Rick Martell and Tony Gurria are interviewed by Pat Patterson, and we get the backgrounds of the guys, and this is really boring. And Tony Gurria was like, I was lying cement before I did wrestling. And uh, <laughs> he was like, I took enough rugby bumps, so I figured I could take a few wrestling bumps. And uh, as we were talking about in your uh, your Raw Bowl episode on kicking out at two, like he thought maybe he could do the bumps for rugby in wrestling. Interesting. And uh, yeah, he says that he's been injured more in wrestling though. Broken ribs, broken nose, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Rick Martell says he used to play hockey, but that, 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 that doesn't shadow over wrestling. Wrestling's more important. He puts over wrestling at the end and they're the tag team champions, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Match number three, we get a jobber match. Stan Hansen defeats destroys Angelo Gomez and Stan Hansen is still relatively young here he chokes out Gomez with his knee and his shin and one two three his shoulders were down anyways so that was that match um yeah just enhancement stuff typical WWF stuff here that you see yeah yeah there was uh, a whole lot of um marquee matchups like we see nowadays you see a lot more enhancement talents uh back in the day against a superstar the real big marquee matchups took place when you were going to go to a live event because their their business their tv drove their live event business so you know you saw the big matchups like you talked about in the previous card to the garden with bruno and ken patera as the main event but you wouldn't mm -hmm. see that on all-star wrestling um that's for sure rarely rarely if that yeah um yeah match number four dominic danucci and steve king versus rex and king the moon dogs with lou albano moon dog king does a big splash one two three on steve king we do an interview after and it's just lou and the moon dogs yelling and they want the title shots so yeah obvious collision there with the tag team champions tony Gurria and rick martell then <laughs> We get match number five, Jack Carson against King Kong Mosca, who I don't, I have no clue who is, and I didn't know he was even in the WWF. He's um, with Lou Albano. King Kong Mosca. The yeah. name's familiar. I 
I want to. He looks he like a miniature him. Andre the Giant, like he stunted Andre the Giant. You know what? Italian continue, version. Continue, and I'm gonna Google this one here. Anyhow, King Kong Mosca goes over. This is nothing to see here, but he does like an over-the-shoulder backbreaker, which they call a backbreaker, um, and King Kong Mosca wins, and him and Lou celebrate. Next week, we'll have more Moondogs and the fabulous Hulk Hogan. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. All yeah. right, so King Kong Mosca um, was a... Uh, was a, uh, a Canadian football player, um, otherwise known as Angelo Mosca, mm-hmm. who I believe was a looks big very name. Italian. In, yeah, in the um, yeah, it looks very Italian. <laughs> well, there can be Can- Canadian Italians. Um, there is such thing, but I believe uh, Angelo Mosca was a um, a big name in Stu Hart's territory in Canada. I, I okay. just judging by what I'm seeing here. Um, through through the, the the good old Google machine, but yeah, um, you know who he looks like? He looks like the actor um, I forget his name, but he was in uh, uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, Javier Bourdain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he looks like. He, at least yes, you know, he first glance. But yes, let's not get on too much of a tangent here this week. <laughs> um, moving on with today. Any thoughts of that episode from? All stars wrestling. No, 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 no thoughts yeah. at all. It was way before my time. WCCW—that's World Class Championship Wrestling, episode two sixty-seven, February seventh, nineteen eighty-seven. You can find this on the WWE Network as well. We will have all these links in our Facebook link as well. Um, Bill Mercer is your commentator here tonight. Classic Bill Mercer. Not that he's the greatest, but. Just some old school stuff here. Um, I will recommend one little bit in this as we go on. Uh, Matt Bourne and Master G with Percy Pringle, who is one Paul Bear. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. He's got his tag team. Matt Bourne uh, would later become Doink, as we all know. Um, going against Scott Casey and Roberto Soto to... Uh, Two mid-card enhancement guys. Flying shoulder from Master G. Matt Bourne does a top rope shoulder squat splash. One, two, three on Roberto Soto. The tag team goes over. Nothing to see here. Match two. Red River Jack. He's a guy with a white mask, a 10-gallon white hat, a all-white leather duster, a whip, a red scarf around his neck, and he goes against the grappler. And, um, yeah. Big boot here and a big boot there and a big boot here and a big boot there. And Red River Jack hits a big knee from the top rope. One, two, three, in three minutes and 15 seconds. And then we go to I thought to you were going to break out into a remix of, like, Old MacDonald had a farm when you were, like, a big boot here, a big yeah, boot big there, boot there, there, a boot here, a boot everywhere, a boot, boot. Oh, Fritz von Eric had a farm. WCCW. Yeah, man. Uh, trying to get Where through this. Four out of his five kids committed suicide. <laughs> I know, I'm going to hell. Oh, Jesus Christ. I had to liven it up just a little Sorry. bit. Yeah. 
I'm trying to get through this as quick and painless as possible. We go to a no, commercial. We're back. Bill Mercer is with Gary Hart. This is some good Gary Hart stuff here. I recommend this little bit here. Gary Hart is saying you don't recognize who the hell that was in the ring. Are you stupid? That was Bruiser Brody. Abdullah chased him out here on Christmas night because uh, this is February, so we're coming off the heels of that. Gary Hart is great here. Just uh, some smart heel stuff. He's not going to be the dumb guy. And he's like, we got rid of him before. We'll do it again. We go to another commercial. We come <laughs> back. And Killer Brooks is beating down Tony Atlas, everybody. Tony Atlas. Mr. USA, uh, Tony yeah. Atlas. We get back and forth between these two. And then Tony just rolls up Killer as he was stomping him. So uh, a quick surprise win there, I guess. One, two, three, three minutes and eight seconds. Nothing to see here. Tony Atlas getting the victory. Mid-card enhancement stuff. We go to a commercial. Guess what? We're back with Abdullah beating down Steve Simpson before the match. The bell fucking rings before they're, they're, they're outside. And the bell rings. Like, whatever. Okay. Abdullah the Butcher keeps pulling out this, like, weapon the whole time and stabbing Steve in the face and then in the stomach. And the referee is doing the worst job here. Bill Mercer calls Abdullah impregnable. He actually looks pregnant to me. He looks pretty pregnant to me. If we just be honest here, um, just Abdullah a lot has of always looked pregnant from like yeah. probably since the day he was born. He probably looked pregnant. I yeah. ate at his uh, restaurant uh, in Atlanta in 2011, the Abdullah the Butcher House of Ribs Chinese restaurant. What? Yeah, I did it not was know actually, that existed. Yeah, it was. It's no longer in business. Um, oh, um, uh, yeah. I, I can only imagine human why. meat was found. Yeah, no, but it actually was pretty good Chinese food. Like I will say, like um, the 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 place was kind of cool. Uh, you had all kinds of there was all kinds of wrestling fans because it was during WrestleMania weekend um, mm. that year. So you saw all kinds of pictures of stuff he did in Japan and uh, you know promo pictures, you know old cards he was on. It was it was someone even like painted like a mural of like mm. him and like other wrestlers. Um, if I could find the pictures on 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 my facebook i'll uh i'll, I'll upload I'll, I'll send them to the uh the the retromania facebook page or even on twitter as well i'll put them on twitter uh but yeah it was a, it was a pretty fun experience and then he was uh he was charging autographs uh, <laughs> as he was sitting in the driver's <laughs> of seat of his car the lazy fuck couldn't get uh, up to course. stand and take a picture with him you had to you had to bend down and uh then he would like put the fork on your forehead and i think he was charging like 10 bucks anything to make a buck for abdullah the butcher yeah, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, yeah, this match is nothing. Just a lot of head holding and counting by the ref. And then uh, Steve Simpson does get a little fire back here, but he gets cut off by Abdullah the Butcher. And then he goes for a crossbody to Abdullah. They back against the ropes. Abdullah shit cans him over his head and over the rope to have a DQ finish. Five minutes and 45 seconds. Nothing to see here. There usually nothing is there's usually nothing to see with an Abdullah the Butcher match, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially if it's against an enhancement talent. But Next. Steve got Steve Stim Steve Simpson got the victory. He ran off, and he was happy with it. So yeah, well, as Gorilla whatever. Monsoon would say, he got the winner's purse. Yeah, match number five here, Dingo Warrior, who we know as the Ultimate Warrior, with Lance Von Erich. 
and Kevin Von Erich against Al Madrill, Brian Adias, and Bob Bradley, the Catman. Okay. Okay. Um, were you familiar with anything Dingo Warrior at all? Um, I, yeah, I was a little familiar with, with Dingo Warrior. I believe um, the first time I had ever heard of the Dingo Warrior was through like one of those after magazines. And then I believe um, I watched him during uh, uh, USWA after they bought World Class originally. Um, and they were still running the Sportatorium in Dallas, um, which there's limited episodes of that show available on the network and the global uh, wrestling federation, the GF, the GWF. Or yep. the GFW, or yeah, GWF, Global Wrestling Federation. Um, they were the, um, they were the, uh, the, the, the aftermath after USWA purchased uh, WCCW, and that's I believe where the first time I, I saw um, Dingo Warrior, and they used to air those on, uh, they used to air those episodes on uh, ESPN at four o'clock in the mm -hmm. afternoon, week like daily, like during mm -hmm. the day. It was it was wild. Um, there's some stuff that I saw that uh, that was my first taste of like wrestling from the Sportatorium. Like that was the first time I ever saw like uh, Harlem Heat, uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray when they were like the Ebony Express. Buff Bagwell okay. when he was the Handsome Stranger. Um, he yes. did like a gigolo gimmick back then. So, uh, but yeah, that was probably the first time I ever watched the <coughs> Dingo Warrior, whatever a Dingo Warrior is. <laughs> were you familiar with Lance Von Erich? Uh, I didn't know there was a Lance Von Erich until um, that World Class uh, documentary came out. Yeah. Um, uh, the the WWE version. Same. Of, of, same here. Yeah, the Triumph and Tragedy of World Class Championship Wrestling. The other one that came out through, I believe it was High Spots, mm -hmm. did one uh, called The Heroes of World Class. That was a good one. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, Lance Von Erich, not a real Von Erich. And then Kevin Von Erich, one of the last remaining and healthy Von Erichs as the, at the time. Um, Carrie Von Erich was injured in the car accident or motorcycle accident um, where he would have his ankle injury and then later have his foot amputated. Um, so he was out right now. But they still have their younger, younger brother, Michael, here um, who had just overcame a bad like sickness and was still kind of weak um what what was it that he was sick from that he was that he almost died from some uh, sort of like flesh-eating bacteria kind of disease yeah dave I'll, I'll have to fill it in okay. um but yeah and then the year prior uh david von eric had died yeah, he was the one that like his stomach ruptured Mm -hmm. While well, in yeah. Japan, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brian Adias here was a long friend of Kerry Von Erich, real life, and his original name was Brian Adidas. They got a lawsuit cease and desist from Adidas, so they had to change the name to Adias along the way. Um, and he had just turned heel on Kevin and the family, so that's setting up this six-man tag team match. And the Dingo Warrior, Lance Von Erich, and Kevin Von Erich win the titles as um, Dingo Warrior lifts up Bob the Cat Bradley, 
who I have no <laughs> clue is, but you know, uh, WCCW and AWA had some cheesy knockoff guys, huh? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of real cheesy stuff during that time period. Um, but I mean, they were holding on to that Von Erich name with with the whole Lance thing. Uh, they were really yeah, they were definitely trying to that. still push it. Yeah, Fritz was obsessed. Um, yeah. So they're the world six-man tag team champions. I guess that's overdubbed because I don't see any belts at all. Kevin is on the mic afterwards, and he's a world champion and the tag team champion. Kevin says, Kerry's doing just fine. Uh, you know, uh, my brother's got a real fight in spirit, and he'll be back real soon. And God so, bless Texas. Yeah, God bless Texas. <laughs> Where are the girls at? Where are the fucking girls? I, I, I need me to get a couple kisses on the way to the ring after I sign your little cards. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on with the day, WCW 1987. This episode was basically a recap of Starcade 1986, The Skyscrapers. And I remember borrowing this VHS from uh, my next door neighbor who was also a cop, but a huge like wrestling fan. And like we just got along. He was like mid 30s and I was maybe 15 or so. But like, you know, we just connected on wrestling and he would let me borrow all his old NWA and WCW VHSs. And this is what like introduced me to Crockett, NWA and WCW. Because I'd never seen that stuff before. And uh, Night of the Skywalkers, Skyscrapers. What an epic two VHS uh, epic, you know? Like, have you ever seen that? I did. I um, I remember as a kid renting it at the video store um, because I wanted to see the the, the scaffold match with the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express. Um, And then... uh, I just remember, like, the 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 VHS box, you know, the, like, showing the picture of, you know, the two teams, like, standing on top of the of the, uh, the scaffold. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, this event was, this was in 86. Mm-hmm. So this was the same year as WrestleMania 2. And yep. they attempted to simulcast from two different locations instead of three, like Vince did. That's right. Yep. Um, That's why there was two different aprons. Um, yeah, and it looked a little different. Yeah, they did yeah. like I think Chicago and somewhere else. I, I want to say it was the Omni. Okay. Um, in Atlanta, and I believe they did. I believe they did Greensboro. I'm gonna look this up right now. But yeah, that was that I I remember it, and that was probably that was what first introduced yep. you to Crockett. Yep. That was Greensboro and Atlanta. Okay, um, that was what introduced you to Crockett. I want to say, I want to say that was probably not that particular event, but around that time frame. Like because I okay, so at the time this was like two thousand two thousand one, where he gave me these cassettes, so I was into WCW. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm, and he oh, was right. like he was like I'm have you when I was watching it. Sorry. He was like, I... "Do you know of like Crockett and uh NWA?" And I was like, "No." But I'd love to. You know, this is before like everything was available on the internet. So, yep. uh, 
I was just big into it, and I was just borrowing everything that he had at the time. Um, yeah. So this was like a, basically a recap show for WCW, and the highlight here is that they did have um, Magnum TA return to TV after his car accident in October. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's bittersweet because he's talking with Tony Schiavone, and he says he's going to return. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't get that, but... Um, and he's sitting in a chair, dude. He's not in a wheelchair. He's just sitting in a regular chair, but he looks kind of stiff and sweaty. It's a little weird. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine, like, you know, going through such a traumatic uh, an event like that um, and then being laid up, for, you know, and not being able to do, you know, much physically... Um, I could imagine his body being stiff in that sense. And then on the other side of it, I could also imagine, you know, he was regarded as the hottest prospect in wrestling at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was going to be the Hulk Hogan of down south, you know, mm-hmm. um, for, for Crockett. And, um, you know, this accident, um, you know, took that away from him. And so having to come out on TV in some ways to him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that, 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 you know, I'm very prideful with certain things. And I can only imagine as an athlete and as a performer, he was probably the same way, uh, very prideful. And, you know, maybe it showed a little more with, you know, being nervous and like you said, the sweating and his body being very stiff and, and things like that. Like he probably, he probably, I would imagine he was conflicted if it, if, I don't know this personally, but I would imagine he was probably conflicted having to go out there and and and, and talk and, uh, and say and be, Nikita Koloff, who they had to turn face at the time, and Dusty, yeah. that they would all be back in the ring together. Yeah, like that's that's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, to 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 have something you love taken away from you is is, is heartbreaking, you know, with with just about anything and. I can I can only imagine how conflicted he was having to go out there and do his job, still fulfill his obligations, knowing that he can't physically do it anymore. You know, yep. so close to the accident too. It's a very raw moment, so I can oh, only yeah. imagine you know, oh, what is. he was feeling. Um, I so. definitely uh, we're going to share this in the links if you want to watch it. Um, it'll be queued up on that pinpoint of that interview. But it this is like to me this is like what would happen if Stone Cold was actually paralyzed from Owen and it was him and JR, you know? This is Tony. Oh, this is what kind of remind you of? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, So moving on with the day, another action-packed day for 1987, February 7th. It's WWF from the Boston Garden. This is in the old-school section of the WWE Network, and you can find this there. This is a great one here. Um, Gorilla Monsoon with Kenny Resnick. Okay. Don't know who that is. But he was, um, Ken Resnick was a, uh, uh, a backstage, um, uh, pitch man, uh, for the AWA. Um, okay. yeah, he was, he was with them for a number of years. I think he might've called some play by play for them, but he was the guy that, that filled in, uh, after Gene Okerlund left and went to the WWF. Okay, cool. So. Yeah, he was an he was an AWA mainstay probably till the very end. Nice. 
So getting acquired, uh, well, AWA lasted until about 91. So not until the um, end. Yeah. Because um, now you said he was part of the WWF. This was 87, you said? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he had a small little cup of coffee with the WWF, but then he went back to, I believe he went to the AWA following this, and then okay. he was he was the pitch man till, you know, close till the end. Okay, cool. Well, this is a fun little card um, uh, as far as the end goes. Um, the last match, at least. Nothing really at the beginning. Hercules Hernandez with Bobby the Brain Heenan against Billy Jack Haynes. Bobby the Brain Heenan introduces Paul Orndorff at the beginning, Mr. Wonderful, we see him, and then he goes away. Then we get this match. It's between the full Nelson lock. You know, Hercules Hernandez and Billy Jack Haynes have the same lock. Um, Paul Orndorff ends up coming back out as the referee gets hit in the match and distracted. And Paul Orndorff hits Billy Jack Haynes as he has Hercules Hernandez in the full Nelson lock. And then Hercules just pins him one, two, three. They win. We go to a commercial, or we cut, actually, and we're back to action. It's the Heel Heart Foundation getting booed here. They're the tag team champions. They're going against the fabulous Rujos, who are heels here. This is like opposite world, for me, at least. I'm not used to seeing these like dynamics for these teams. That's interesting that they played heels in this, because I'm... Um a month later they'd be on the wrestlemania card and they were baby faces against the dream team so this was an interesting you know uh, interesting setup here yeah especially at that time for 1987 yeah and it's actually sans uh jimmy hart so not sure what's going on so maybe this is the transition part but um this is a long plotting tag match the hart foundation are being extreme heels here this is great heel stuff for them i wish that they were like more of this team during the early 90s, you know? But uh, yeah. Uh, anyhow, the Rougeaus make the Hart Foundation collide with Irish whips, and then they do that top rope assisted somersault that Ray loves to do, and one, two, three on Brett, and the fabulous Rougeaus win, the fans love it, and the Hart Foundation is pissed off. <laughs> cool stuff. Well, I guess, it, I, I guess it was maybe, maybe. Maybe the Rougeos were heels in the beginning, or they were just kind of like, um, really like, not they weren't established as much, and then maybe this victory over the Hearts helped them get to that point of being established. Yeah, yeah, could be, could be. Um, moving on, match number three: Sika already beating up Ricky Steamboat, uh, Sika of the Wild Samoans, beating down Ricky Steamboat here. Uh, Chinlock City throughout this match, and then we get a thrust to the throat from Ricky Steamboat to Sika, and then we get a big double chop from the top rope from Ricky Steamboat. Chops, and he rolls Sika up after Sika eats the turnbuckle trying to dive for Steamboat. One, two, three, quick victory here for Ricky Steamboat, and he's back on the path to try to get to Macho Man Randy Savage before we get to WrestleMania three. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, like I said, a month, about a month or so away, and uh, this is when Steamboat uh, was coming back after that, um, that you know, in the storyline, the throat injury, you know, where Savage uh, draped his throat over the guardrail and delivered the elbow drop with the ring bell to his throat, and he couldn't talk, um, and we thought that, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's career was going to be over, and, 
you know, like I said, as Jesse Ventura once said, you know, Steamboat's got a lot of throat, McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, um, this match was really based off the whole throat for both the guys. Um, Yeah. A lot of throat stuff here. Um, So moving on, match number four, Dino Bravo with black hair, brown hair, I'm sorry, and Johnny Valiant as his second against SD Special Delivery Jones. Um, We get a huge side suplex from Dino to SD after SD hits the post in the corner, which is a classic transition spot now for WWE. But SD eats that shoulder and he actually suffers the consequences from a move after it. One, two, three, Dino Bravo rolls on. Next. Yeah. (laughs) Match number five, the main event here. Oh, my God, I didn't know this even happened until I watched this. It's a lumberjack match for the Intercontinental Championship. The Intercontinental Champion comes out first, Macho Man Randy Savage, with Elizabeth against Bruno San Martino. And because this is MSG, the fans are hot for this. Uh, Macho Man takes advantage right off the top. Bruno catches him, though. The fans, I'm telling you, like... Bruno is so over here, just like like the Von Erichs in in Texas. Um, Bruno was just this way in New York, you know. Oh yeah, no, I mean he was, um, like I said, he was a he was a, a cultural icon uh, for the Italian American community. But um, yeah, I remember vaguely as a kid, um, Bruno was you know in a. Um, in the role of a, a color commentator mm-hmm. on some of the shows, and he had uh, he had uh, offered his his opinion uh, of of his disapproval of Savage's actions towards Steamboat, and that's what kind of stemmed from you know um, what, what led us to this match: Savage attacking Steamboat, Bruno not really um, uh, taking too kindly to it. Bing, bang, boom, we have the match. Yeah. Um, but it, it just it just gives you a perspective, like I was saying. It's like this is the clear transition years between territories and cable advancing the territories to worldwide or nationwide perspective, which Vince uh-huh. McMahon would take full advantage of. You would see yep. him phase Bruno out because Bruno was the territory face of WWF and Hulk uh-huh. Hogan was the nationwide face. Yep, yep. You know? Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 truly re- uh, remarkable, you know, the 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 evolution of uh, you know, of not only of television but of, you know, the wrestling business like you said from Bruno to Hogan. And just seeing him getting phased out. Like a lot of people don't mention that that much, but Bruno was getting phased out, you know, while Hogan was still active. It's like uh John Cena procuring Roman Reigns, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on, Savage uses a foreign object in the match on Bruno and takes advantage. A big double axe handle from Moon, from Macho to Bruno, and we keep getting Macho getting thrown in by the outside people. Bruno kicks out of a pin attempt from Macho. Bruno runs Macho Man into the corner and throws Macho Man into Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He says, here, you want him? Here, you got him. And we get uh, 
Ricky the Dragon Steamboat throwing Macho Man back in. We get a big bear hug as Macho Man is thrown back in. And King Kong Bundy comes from the outside and hammers Bruno. And we get a DQ in a lumberjack match. And then Ricky the Dragon Steamboat comes in. It's mayhem. The faces stand tall. But when they announce that Bruno won via DQ, this is the biggest pop of the night. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Bruno was, you know, he was, he was still, he was still popular, even though he wasn't wrestling as much um, or at all, I should say. So uh, it's certainly not surprising. And Savage was really, really, really hitting a stride as a good heel, it's coming off of uh, what he did to Steamboat heading into WrestleMania. So it makes all the sense in the world of the, 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 not only the finish, but um, you know the reactions for uh, you know Bruno and Savage in their respective roles. Yep, this year and last year, like uh, Macho Man was facing Hulk Hogan and Bruno and a couple other top faces, Ricky, you know, and uh, Andre, I think, all on the the main event routes, you know? Wow. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Moving on with the day, February 7th, 1989. This one will share. It's a YouTube link, and it's pre-recorded. It's the AWA, and it's a battle royal for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Dave, do you know any back history of this? Um, all I know is that uh, uh, before this before this event took place, um, you know this this show was you know centered around uh, crowning a new AWA World Heavyweight Champion, and. Uh, um, the reason why uh, there was a battle royal set to take place for this particular episode was because um, Jerry Lawler and Kerry Von Erich had a title unification match um, not too long before this um, at the Super Clash uh, pay-per-view, Super Clash 3. Super Clash 3. Um, and uh, the, there was... Um, there's been, you know, urban legends and long-standing rumors of um, differences behind the scenes between uh, Jerry Lawler and um, and Vern Gagne um, at this event. Uh, the finish was was that Kerry Von Erich was bleeding. The referee had to stop the match, but he had um, Lawler in the claw, so it was really like an un- it was it was kind of one of those it was like a dusty finish, I guess you could call it, mm-hmm. um, where. You know, Lawler didn't give up, but, you know, Kerry Von Erich kind of had him beat with that claw, but Kerry Von Erich was bleeding, and the referee made a judgment call and and then threw the match out, thus declaring Lawler the victor and the winner and the unified WCCW and AWA. Um, uh, or it was it WCCW? Were they still WCCW at the time? Maybe they were. Yeah, I think yeah, they were. Yeah, in the USWA, um, I think. Yeah, maybe it was USWA. And they unified the title with the AWA title. Um, and then I guess the story goes is that uh, Lawler wasn't paid for um, for his, uh, uh, you know, f- for the match with Vern Gagne. Because um, Vern Gagne, I guess, was the one that was handling the payouts, even though it was multiple promoters like Jarrett and, and a few other guys that were involved. And so Lawler said, all right, well, I'm not coming back to work. And he basically kept the AWA world title. I believe he still has it in his possession yes, he does. to this day. Um, so um, in this episode of the um, of, of, of the AW, of AWA wrestling, um, 
the the eventual winner of this battle royal, which would be Larry Zabisco, after he eliminates Tom Zink, uh, Zabisco would end up uh, uh, leaving with the television title and not the AWA title because they didn't have the AWA title because it was in Lawless possession because he still hadn't gotten a paycheck from mm -hmm. Vern Gagne. So mm -hmm. that's the story surrounding um, this situation here. And uh, it's funny that, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, we talked about um, the Bunkhouse Stampede and how Larry Zabisco was a part of that event for Crockett as the Western States uh, heavyweight champion. A year later, fast forward, he's back in the AWA and he's there he's their heavyweight champion because of some issues behind the scenes so um a lot of people have said that the only reason why Zabisco was in the spot he was in was because he was Vern's son-in-law mm -hmm. at the time um but and Vern was really trying to get Hulk Hogan to marry his daughter to begin with before this I've heard that yes. I've heard that story I didn't know how true that was but I've heard that before I've heard people talk about that before that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I wonder if that's the real reason why Hogan left. And Dude, not because brother, of the I can't. Oh, she looks like you, Vern. I'm she sorry, eats, dude, but it'd be like kissing your bald ass, brother. I can't. steak. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what an amazing time, though. Like, this, this is fucking just pivotal for all the territories and businesses as well. Um. Young Lee Marshall here on the mic, too. You know, Lee Marshall. It, they're Tiger. great. Yes, indeed. <laughs> From WCW Roadside. <laughs> this is the 1 800 Collect Report here in Winston Salem, North Carolina. <laughs> Bobby Otto, man, telling you I'm getting high out here with the kids. <laughs> I can just see him like he's like doing bong riffs and like, you know, doing like shotgun and beers and everything as they're doing the WCW like college tours. Like because they always went to the town before on the Nitro with Lee Marshall. And he's like on the roadside. Yeah. I'm I am fucked right now, Tony. <laughs> I cannot. Uh, oh, man, I can't take another hit or bump a bump of cocaine or a bump of wrestling. <laughs> I can't seat three feet in front of me. Right. I've, I've done so much fucking drugs. Do you do you do you know that he was the ring announcer for the Los Angeles portion of WrestleMania two? Oh no! Yeah, watch huh. WrestleMania two in the on the LA card. He does the ring announcing. Okay, nice. Because he was nice. a he was a local in the in the Los Angeles. That's where he was from, the Southern California area. Oh no wonder um, he got the Tony gig. Yeah. So, I mean, they couldn't have Fink in all three places, you know? Yeah. Introducing true. the Challenger. And then we get young Tony the Tiger. <laughs> and who was the other one? For the for the ring announcers? Yeah. The third one. For for WrestleMania 2? So, yeah. so, Fink was in Long Island. Um, Lee Marshall was in L.A., I don't know the name of the guy who was in Chicago, but he looked like Dave Letterman, uh, and I thought okay. it—I thought it was David Letterman for for many mm. years, mm. but it was some guy that I don't even know his fucking name. He probably doesn't—he's he's probably not even relevant. Who knows? He's probably fucking dead, you know. But yeah, maybe. Sorry, whoever you are, if you're listening to this, hope this you're is on WrestleMania your two. This That's is your probably game. the greatest thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is your shark day. This is probably the greatest thing you've ever done was be on WrestleMania 2 and marking out the days. We'll bring so it up. So if you have a problem with this, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Next. Yeah, so uh, moving on with this, Sergeant Slaughter is uh, a, a face uh, during 1989. He's G.I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter because he was getting good uh, licensing from G.I. Joe at the time still. That was what caused him to leave the WWF, I believe, originally. Okay. Um, in the early '80s, was because he was um, he was doing all his work for GI Joe, and um, I think there was other stuff involved in the wrestling as well. But I think the GI Joe thing played a big part in him uh, in him not wrestling for quite a while, and then eventually, once that once the well ran dry there, that's when he called Vince McMahon and said, uh, "You know, can I have my job back?" Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but. Uh, Patterson can chat can touch my ass too. <laughs> uh yes, uh this is uh this is uh the the, the Bob Slaughter, yes. Uh yeah um yeah, hold on, hold on a minute. Uh I, I, I announced my plurals before my singulars and the vice of the versa. Uh, uh yeah, so anyway, um the, the Iron Sheik this one time he did the finish with the gaga and it's oh my goodness and the, uh, the fuck me. We, and, we want know. you to come back, show you a banana. I mean it go banana. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you right now, I was crying like a baby when Shawn Michael win the title from the <laughs> Bret Hart in the in the in the in the in the WrestleMania. That's a very good pat. <laughs> uh, so in this AWA Battle Royal, we have Akia Sato, Steve Ray, not Stevie Ray, Steve Ray, Wayne Bloom, Derek Dukes, Mike Enos, Tommy Jammer. Pat Tanaka. <laughs> I know. Hold on, call time out, time out. Derek Dukes, any relation to Daisy Dukes? No. And Tommy Jammer. Is that was that was that Tommy Dreamer's inspiration for his gimmick in ECW? You know, he's a big he's a big mark too. He loves wrestling, so I'm sure he probably is like he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Tommy Jammer. We'll and then he probably photo he probably told paul Heyman that that was what his gimmick name was and Heyman probably just wrote dreamer he couldn't hear him properly and he's like tommy dreamer no it's jammer okay whatever you say kid all right you're gonna go out there you're gonna work taz he's the barefoot little midget with the with the the the, the, the headdress gimmick on yeah you're gonna go work him yeah and tommy's just so nice of a guy that he saw it on the card and he was like oh i guess that's he's it. like yeah i guess i'll stick with this dreamer thing yeah yeah pat uh, tanaka <laughs> Pat Tanaka, Tom Zink is in the match. Paul Diamond is in the match. Greg Gagne, Ken Patera, Ricky Rice, Larry Zabisco, Wahoo McDaniel, Manny Fernandez, Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel De Beers, and Mike George. And DDP is ringside too. What's so, he doing there? Is he like managing, commentating? Yeah, standing he's with, there looking he's pretty? with the Beers. He's with the Beers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm going to run down the very end here. Zabisco dumbs out Greg Ganya. Goodbye. Pat Tanaka goes over the top rope by Sergeant Slaughter. G.I. Joe American hero Sergeant Slaughter clotheslines De Beers over the top. Then Zabisco dumps out Sergeant Slaughter, and Tom Zink was still in it. So it's the last two here. It's Tom Zink and Larry Zabisco. There's a lot of back and forth in this one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, no. And then Zinc 
hits the floor as he goes for a crossbody to Larry Zabisco, and he actually flips over the head of Larry Zabisco. This is by an accident, but uh, he's eliminated because it's a battle royal. Larry Zabisco wins, and then we get a good promo from him after, and he's holding on to the TV title like he spoke of, but they kind of like, he's crouched by his side, but it's actually like a mock of the WWF championship. You know, that, really? yeah, it's okay. like, a, yeah, it's like one of those like ECW pseudo title type looking ones. Oh, you know how like the AWA Taz championship had... was kind of like a ripoff of the big gold belt? Yes. Yes. So, so you're talking about the, same thing. you're talking about the one that Bockwinkle held? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I know yes. you're saying, yeah. So same thing there. So, uh, uh, we're going to share that on the links. Like I said, um, I would watch the end with Zink and Zabisco. That was actually entertaining. Um, okay. Larry Zabisco and Tom Zink put on a entertaining finish for like counter moves and stuff. And especially for AWA, you didn't really get that that smooth back then. Um, you know, that's why they failed so hard. But yeah, um, that was about it. Larry Zabisco's crowning moment there for AWA. Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, no disrespect to Larry Zabisco. I've always enjoyed his work, but, um, you know, he was the he was the last, you know, he was the last option for them, you know, at the at the time, um, realistically, because he was Vern's son-in-law and people were jumping ship left and right, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to going to WCW, going to the WWF. Uh, you know, so I mean, you know, Stan Hansen took the belt and went to Japan. Then he ran it over and sent it back to Vern. There was a big crack in the title. Um, you know, people were just coming and going left and right. So he had no choice. And you know, judging by the the, the lineup that you had uh, you, you had uh, gone through here, with Tommy Jammer and Derek Dukes. Um, let's you know here. You know, I got an idea. Let's let, let's make this a little interesting. Um, let's go back here and let's look at let's look at this list. But you know, instead, I'm going to be Pat Patterson and I'm going to introduce all these guys. How about how about we do that for a minute okay. here? Okay. okay cool. All right. He goes, Akio Sato. Do we got the Steve Ray, the Bloom, the Bloom guy, the Wayne Bloom? Oh, this is one of my favorites. The Derek Dukes. He's going to wear the jean the the, the jean shorts. Yeah. <laughs> And then we have the we have the other Beverly brother, the Tommy Jammer. The yes, uh, that's the, he's my pick to win it because I'm gonna jam one in him later. Uh, <laughs> and then this the Pat Tanaka guy, yes, that's right, not Tatanka, not him, not him. No, this the, this is Chief J Strongbow's cousin. <laughs> and then the, the 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 pretty boy, this one. He's if the Jammer guy don't if the Jammer guy don't go down on me, this guy will. His oh. name is the Zinc Man, the Z Man. Oh, he's man, he sucked me off like a zinc. He, oh yes, he. <laughs> and then we got the beautiful, we got the beautiful Paul Diamond. He sang karaoke with me once. It was great. <laughs> and then we got the, we got Vern's boy, the Greg Gagne. He's just, you know, he's he's got too much of the Gaga. That you know, I, I can't, I, I can't with him. And then oh, the world's strongest man, the Ken, the the the, the, the Ken Patera. And we got the Jerry Rice. That's right. Oh, excuse <laughs> me, the Ricky Rice. 
the Ricky Rice, and then the Larry Zabisco. That, that's right. That's right. I'm talking about the 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 Larry Z. That's right. And then the 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 Chief J Strongbow's other cousin, the Wahoo, the Wahoo McDaniel, and then we have the Raging Bull, the Manny Fernandez, uh, the Bob Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter, Bob Remus. That's right. I used to manage him. We had that big alley fight in the in the Garden of Madison, uh, along with. Uh, Along with my my doppelganger, the De Beers, the Colonel De Beers, and last I give but the certainly, wine, though. and cer last but certainly not least, uh, this is one of my least favorite wrestler in all of the wrestling. I'm talking about the George, the Mike George. That's right, <laughs> yeah, the Mike George. I wouldn't even give him a jobber job in the WWF for Vince McMahon. And there you have it, folks. I am a Pat Patterson. <laughs> I announced my singulars before my plurals and vice versa. I'm going to go have a drink with the Gene Mean at the karaoke bar. Good night. Thank you very much, Pat, for introducing that AWA battle royal. <laughs> Dave, are you there? Are you ready to move on with the day? Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I am here. <laughs> Cool. Are we, are we back in Bushkill, Pennsylvania for yeah, Monday Night dude, Raw, February seventh? Fuck yeah, Pennsylvania, man. We can't leave this place. Is it, is it now? You know, you're in Connecticut, or I'm in Connecticut. You're in Maryland. Yeah. But maybe, maybe one day when this becomes this global empire of wrestling podcasts, that we should, we, we should, we should locate ourselves in Pennsylvania somewhere, mm -hmm. whether. We shouldn't do Philadelphia because Paul Heyman covered that market. Right. We shouldn't do Pittsburgh. I'm thinking Altoona, maybe Bushkill. You know, right. I'm thinking some somewhere where people are gonna. I'm talking destination. Right. A destination. Right. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I like it. Okay. It's good. Like the Fernwood Ooh. Resort here in Bushkill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's Vince Let's McMahon and day. Bastion Booger doing the commentary. Classic stuff here. No, yes, huh? Yeah, no. It, you know, it was funny because every time Vince would say something, Bastion Booger would like try to like turn it into a fart joke with all the food that he was eating. I thought it was hilarious. Something about like Vince said something about uh, start your engines, put the pedal to the metal. We got gas because it's the debut of Sparky Plug, and and Bastion Booger was eating nachos. He was like, yeah, I'm, you know, he you know, said something about like if I eat this hot dog soon, I'll be gassy or something. Like he tried to turn everything into a into a fart joke based on yeah. what food he was eating. So I he, thought it was kind of funny. He tried to save up for the lackluster raw that there was. The main event being uh, or. The semi-main event being the debut of Sparky Plug, Sparky Plug, Thurman, Spark Plug, Bob Harley, Bob Harley, yeah. Bob Holly. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus Christ! If he was Bob Harley, he would be a lot cooler, huh? Yeah, if he was Bob Harley, he'd 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 have drawn some serious money. I'm telling you right now. I got this that. idea for you. You're you're going to instead of the race car, you're going to ride on the motorcycle. I'm going the to sit in the back. The original DOA like Undertaker. And I'm and I'm going to ride on the bitch, and I'm going to hold you from the behind, and then you're going to be the Bob Spark Plug Harley, and then we're going to get you a valet, and we're going to call her Mrs. Harley Davidson. <laughs> and Pat Pitt, but, Pat Patterson. Yeah, and I'm going, but you're not, but you're not going to do the boyfriend and the girlfriend thing. You're going to be, it's going to, because I'm going to come on the back of the bike with you, and like I said, I'm going to be the bottom bitch. 
but you know you're going to have the girl because this is 1994 <laughs> and people don't people don't accept the homosexual just yet but they will at some point so we're going to slowly ease them into it but you're going to be the bob harley i'm telling you right now that's probably the idea that pat patterson originally pitched and vince probably turned it down <laughs> i don't like it it's all like leather like his whole thing was like assless chaps. It's like Shawn Michaels before Shawn Michaels. That's why Bob Holly and Shawn Michaels really have beef. <laughs> Folks, you get it all here at Marking Out the Days. That's right. That's right. Are you ready <laughs> really to do this? The shark. You ready to yeah. do this jobberific episode of uh, Enhancement Talent episode of Raw from 1994, February 7th? Yeah. Billy and Bart. Defeated Barry Horowitz and Reno Riggins in not, three minutes. And not 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 Roman Reigns. Reno Riggins. Reno Riggins. That's right. Reno Riggins in three minutes and thirty-seven seconds. Next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna take you back to All American Wrestling. Hey, but it's from uh, January thirtieth, nineteen ninety-four. It's Owen Hart giving us the reasons why he kicked Brett's leg out of his leg. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was a big release for him to do that. And he's been waiting all these years, and he's ready for his success. And Brett says um, he never wanted to wrestle Owen, but it looks like I'm going to have to, and uh, I hope it's going to go my way. And we're going to, yeah. So. My favorite quote from that one, he was like, he wants a match. He wants a fight. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him a fight. I'll give him a damn good fight. Yeah. Lo Owen uh, comes out before his match. He looks like he's going to give a kid a pair of shades and then rips him up in the kid's face. It's awesome stuff what here. What a dick. Love it. What a Love dick. Uh, yeah. He defeats John Paul by submission. Inziguri and a sharpshooter, 347. Next is Marty Gennetti's last match until September 1995. Um, did you know that he had paralyzed somebody in 1990? Yeah, I didn't know then, but uh, I, I I knew it after listening to um, an episode of uh, the Bruce Pritchard show. Okay. Um, yeah, holy cow, man. He, like, poor guy got dumped on his head. Um, and I saw the video, too. It was terrible. Um, but, yeah, the guy was awarded... Um, a huge, huge sum of money from a lawsuit, and um, I don't, I'm not, I don't remember if this was the reason why Janetti got fired from the company. Um, but um, yeah, he was gone for a while, in and out. He's probably been hired and fired more times than anyone I can, you know, remember. Yeah, uh, during his tenures in the WWF. But yeah, this was um, one of the last times before he would eventually return and do nothing again a year later. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he goes against IRS, as we spoke of last week. Um, basically, jawbreaker stuff here. And Gennetti goes for, like, a jump, and IRS dodges him, and one, two, three, IRS wins, and then... Razor comes down. The Quebecers are out there. Everything is mayhem. And, uh, yeah. We get Razor and Janetti cleaning up. And they they challenge the tag champs, the Quebecers. 
for next week, but we'll see. Right? The cocky Quebecers. Yeah. <laughs> then we get uh, Thurman Sparkplug, Bob Holly against Dwayne Gill, who, you know, years later would become Hardcore Holly versus Gilbert. Right? The coach right. of the Pasadena Chargers. Dwayne Gill. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is where Bastion Booger nearly chokes on the hot dog. Uh, but he saves it. Yeah. <laughs> Bastion and then we, Booger. Yeah, and then we get a nice overhead cam shot, which looks great, with a flying knee drop. And Bob Holly gets the win. Three minutes, three seconds. Nothing to see here. Main event, Crush. That's Kona Crush, right, with Mr. Fuji? Or is that just Crush Sympathizer Japanese guy? Yeah, that's yeah, that's Crush uh, Japanese Sympathizer. Yeah, Kona Crush um, it no longer exists because his sponsorship deal with uh, Fanta Soda ran out. So that's why they had to uh, make the sudden heel turn. Um, and now he's just a um, he looks like he look he looks like uh, a, a big can of grape soda. Um, <laughs> Like the evil grape soda, like nice. the like the generic, the generic grape soda. Yeah, um, sympathizing Japan. Anyhow, yeah, crushes out, he, does his thing. Yeah, he beats Dave Thornburg in two thirty, and he does a running leg drop. That's because they were trying to push him as the next big thing, huh? Yeah, they were. Um, I mean, he was involved in that rivalry with Savage. He was attached to Fuji and Yoko, so he was kind of a big name. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they were doing whatever they could to make, uh, to, to make Crush look like, um, you know, a, a serious contender, a serious player. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Um, nothing much more on this Raw. They promo that tag match that'll never happen in two weeks. And we go off the air. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, was the end of the, yeah, I didn't like how Raw used to end, like, with, like, an interview or like, you know, something very like anticlimactic. You it know what I mean? Like, like I it was still going on. You're like, why are yeah. you guys going off the air? Like what? Yeah. Like the fans would be still screaming. They would play the sirens and like, you could still see like the referee in the ring and like maybe like one of the raw girls like holding up the sign. I'm like, wait a minute. Show's over. Mm -hmm. Huh? You know? Yep. But. Uh, moving on with the day. This is ECW Hardcore TV episode 94 from February 7th, 1995. This is available on the network as well, and we'll share it in the links. Uh, we open with Public Enemy. They're coming out and they're getting the crowd excited with the hey ho, hey ho. And then we get a very raw, indie esque uh, cut version of the intro for ECW. Um, you know, it's like how the Raw was in 1995, like a da -da -da -da, like cut, like very like action shot, like very, like very well done by Paul yep. Heyman and his crew. Um, but we're at the ECW arena in South Philly. Guess what? We're back in Philly. Joey Styles out here and Jason, the handsome one, comes out and he brings out the Pitbulls and his new person jason with a mask so it's the actual character jason with the mask who is wrestling 
This is weird. Oh my goodness. Against Hack Myers and the Young Dragons, nothing to see here. Uh, Jason and the Pitbulls beat Hack Myers and the Young Dragons. Hack Myers beats up the Young Dragons behind them while they do an interview after they won the match. It's incredible here. It's funny as shit. Um, And then some lady comes out and she tries to turn on hack Myers. They kiss and then he beats her up and power bombs her and the fans cheer. It's typical 1995 ECW South Philly violence. Yeah, pretty much uh, where, you know, domestic violence is something that's uh, heavily promoted in that culture. And in that, you know, that scene in ECW where nowadays, um, I mean, I wouldn't call intergender wrestling domestic violence, but um, I mean, we kind of saw it at the recent Royal Rumble with the whole Nia Jax thing. They're kind of flirting with the idea of having men get more physical with Mm -hmm. the women. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it seemed to have a a good reception. Um, Fans seemed to be into it, um, but it wasn't, I think it was done in in, in better taste than what we would see in ECW with the guys like, like folding some of these broads in half through a table or, you know what I mean? Like they would just like, you know, I think it was done in a much better light um, nowadays as opposed to back then. No, agreed. Um, Moving on with this episode of ECW, it's match number two, Chris Benoit against Al Snow. I will recommend to watch this match. It's actually, it blew me away. Um, you will never see Al Snow wrestle like this like he has before. Um, I mean, maybe on other episodes of ECW TV as we go along, but yeah, this match between him and Chris Benoit is just an all-out brawl. Suplex, suplex, suplex. Um, we get a bunch of super kicks from Al Snow, like he's the super kick king at the time, which is incredible. Um, then like Chris Benoit nearly kills him with a powerbomb. And then we get suplexes back and forth. We get a, a big diving headbutt from Chris Benoit on a near count, um, which is a huge kick out for Al Snow. And then a bunch of like suplexes again. And it's like who can fall on their head the hardest? And of course, you know, Chris Benoit will win that one. Uh, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, one, two, three. <laughs> Chris Benoit goes over. And then we get a recap of what started with a match between Public Enemy and Taz and Sabu teaming up together. So Taz, this is a tables tag team match. Taz and Johnny Grunge go through a table at the same time, so they're eliminated. So then Rocco hits Sabu through a table, but the ref didn't see it. And then Taz sets up Rocco, and Sabu hits the top rope, leg drop on the outside to Rocco through a table and we get new tag team champions Sabu and Taz then Benoit comes out and power bombs Sabu off the top rope through a table onto Rocco and it looks really rough I think everybody got injured in this um, and then we get this spooky promo at the end it's like it's a crazy cross cut of like in the corner it's Chris Benoit just like tightly gripping his hands to where they're like, you know, you know, blood is like, you can see like the blood exiting where he touches because he's gripping so hard. And then the other side is a cross cut of his face. So it's two shots imposed into one. 
and he is like he is going down like Sabu and Taz and life is about pain and humility and he's going to teach them both a lesson and he's going to bring on the shooter Dean Malenko and they'll be the next ECW tag team champions and that's your episode of ECW oh my god this is great stuff from Chris Chris Benoit but it's very scary yeah just you describing like the the the, the way that the um the, the 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 promo at the end was produced and your your description of it, it it's very uh it, it's ironic in yeah. in the sense that you know how he passed and the in the manner that you know his life ended and you know how you're describing this it's just yeah that's that's really all i got it's Yep. Chilling, I guess you could say. Yeah. You if you want to watch this, definitely certainly recommend the Al Stone Chris Benoit match. And then that promo at the end is it is uh like they say in the ECW episode, cold water runs through his veins. Um and yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh moving on with the day. WWF Sunday Night Heat, a quick episode here, February 7th, 1999. Kevin Kelly is on commentary. This episode is available on the network as well. They talk about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre event that's coming up that you and I will be covering next week, right? That's right. We are going to be covering it cover to cover uh, next week, Saint, the 20-year anniversary of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre event on the exact date, February the 14th. Yep. Um, we'll have a rematch between The Rock and Mankind in a last man standing match because the last match that they had, they had was a Falls Count Anywhere no DQ match where Mankind won via forklift. So, yeah, that was interesting. And then we'll also have Vince McMahon and Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, in a steel cage match for the number one contendership of the WWF championship title. Yeah, that was uh, high stakes uh, for, for that pay-per-view. Like I said, we're going to be covering that next week. But um, this was uh, this was following, like I said, the Royal Rumble. We covered 1999, the Royal Rumble, um, just a few short weeks ago. Uh, and this is coming off the, that event and what we're heading into with the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Vince comes out with the Stooges and China as she has joined the corporation. He runs down Austin about eliminating him from the Rumble. He announces that this Saturday before the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, it'll be Mankind against Stone Cold in a one-on-one -on -one match. He wishes them both a very... Happy Valentine's Day from the bottom of his heart. <laughs> that actually, that episode of Raw on Saturday actually took place in the Sky Dome in Toronto. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was actually a pretty fun episode of Raw. You'd have to go check out one, you know, one time. February 13th. I'm sure we'll cover it here eventually, Dave. Yeah, someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, match number one, we go to Too Much versus the Oddities. It's Giant Silva running off, and he goes towards Draws, who had came out. There's mayhem here during the Attitude Era. But it's Kurgan and Golga against Brian Christopher and Scotty Tuhati. DOA come out, and they help Too Much get the win. One, two, three, what a mess. This is crazy. Um, yeah. 
Then we get Al Snow backstage, and he's making a fool of himself, beating himself up, jumping through tables. He takes a hard bump, and he cuts his arm on the table because he's complaining about losing to Road Dog at the Royal Rumble for the Hardcore Championship. Yeah, you know, Sunday Night Heat, I'll be honest with you, not to cut you off, but um, Sunday Night Heat was like a precursor to, obviously, uh, what we would see on SmackDown. You would see a lot of the more interesting developments in their stories at the time take place on Sunday Night Heat, or they would try certain things out on Sunday Night Heat. Oh, yeah. This was a lot of, like, paid, like, the the moving developments and storylines. Yeah, and I haven't had a chance to watch any of the Sunday Night Heats that are on the network right now, but I remember there's some memorable moments um, of my teenage years watching Sunday Night Heat that I can't wait to go back and look and see what um, see what they have on the network. Yeah, they're really and quick and in. easy to watch. Um, yeah, it's like about 45 minutes. Yeah, 43 yeah. minutes was this one. Um, okay. Before the match, we have... The next match, we have Val Venus making out with Ryan Shamrock. And then we get your match number two. It's the Godfather with some hoes against Ken (laughs) Shamrock. And this is a quick one here, but it's not bad because Godfather is a great wrestler against Ken Shamrock. These guys are like hossing it out. Like we get a spinning back kick. We get the hoe train. We get like a lot of quick stuff going on for the for Uh the match that they had. Yeah. Ken goes to put the ankle lock on and Val Venus is on the screen and he's like backed up against the like parking like garage door and he's like mm, I'm in the zone and I'm about to lose <laughs> control. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Ryan Shamrock's head pops up from you know down there. Um, yeah, cuz she wasn't tying his shoe or anything. No, I I don't think so. Um no. Unless he was trying to get into, like, you know, the the jump zone. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, anyhow, Ken Shamrock runs off from the match and in a rage, and he's, like, doing the typical, ah! and then runs off, you know, count out, Godfather wins, and they celebrate. We go to commercial, back from commercial, and Ken Shamrock is attacking Val Venus back in that area by the garage, and Ryan is like, no, 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 stop it, and I love him, and he picks up Ryan Shamrock over his shoulder, and they run off. Next segment is Sable out for commentary. Okay, match number three, Jacqueline against Luna Vachon. This is actually not a terrible match for a women's match, um, especially, like, what we see nowadays as far as, like, quick matches. These ladies can actually, like pull off the moves and make it look like I don't know it, 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 it it's not bad honestly yeah um D'Lo comes out to di- distract for some reason there's a storyline going on here like you said there's moving parts um but Luna hits a deep DDT on Jacqueline one two three Luna gets the victory okay match number four it's a triple threat tag team match between D'Lo Mark Henry, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, the tag team champions with Debra against Triple H and X-Pac. And Triple H goes for the pedigree and gets a low blow by China. As she comes out, um, Owen covers in one, two, three. Shane keeps saying China syndrome. 
you know, because China had just joined the corporation. And we go off the air, and bam, and they're plugging for St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, the, the, a lot going on on Sunday Night Heat heading into, uh, you know, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view, you know, which would take place a week later. But, um, yeah, a, a lot of moving parts and very typical Vince Russo. Even in 45 minutes, he managed to cram, you know, Shane McMahon, China, D'Lo, Luna, Jacqueline, Ken Shamrock, Ryan Shamrock, uh, Val Venus, um, Mark Henry, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, Triple H, X-Pac. I mean, in a 45-minute show, Godfather, you know, he, he managed to get a lot too much. The oddities, I'm looking through this here, like a 45-minute show, and he got all those guys on that card. That's like, that, that that's that's amazing. Like, he, that he managed to get a story for each one of them, you know, on a 45-minute show. It's almost overwhelming if you're a viewer watching it. In a way, it was, but it, it actually seems more controlled, like we talked about before on like prior WWF episodes. Like there seemed to have a little bit more control. Uh-huh. You know, even when the WWF Attitude Era got wild, it didn't seem too wild as compared yeah. to WCW. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. I think too what also what also helps um, and we could definitely you know um, discuss it a little more with the next two shows that we cover here mm-hmm. on this episode but um, you know a point I think is that's necessary to bring up is the fact that um, like you said even when the attitude era stuff was wild it was more controlled but at the same time um, had WCW's product not gone downhill and taken a slippery slope and then them trying to replicate what the WWF was doing with the Attitude Era, do you think the Attitude Era would be considered um, as popular, as strong as, it, as, as it's been talked about to this day? No, not the way the wrestling purists are on the internet now. If WCW uh-huh. had stayed strong with their, like, NWA Crockett, like, their mindset then, rather than trying to replicate what WWF did, I think we would be talking about WCW a lot more. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's a, that's a, that's a fair statement. I can get behind that, too. I could definitely get behind that, too. What, um, what about you? Like, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think WCW would be in the conversation in a more positive light. Mm-hmm. I can't say if there would be a definitive winner of the war. Um, I really can't. I think I think WCW would be looked at amongst wrestling purists as um, uh, a quality alternative right. to the WWF. Right. That, that's the best way I can put it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right, moving on with the day, the last two bits. Uh, it's WWF Monday Night Raw and WCW Monday Nitro from the year 2000, the infamous year 2000. Dave, what do you think? From uh, which one? Which one you want to cover first? You want to cover Nitro? You want to cover Raw? Let's do. Or, let's do Raw. Why, why don't you bring me 
to some light through raw if you if you will yeah absolutely um this episode of raw took place from the union arena in dallas texas hey fritz von uh, eric yeah <laughs> that's my boy carrie trying to oh, get i'm trying to get one of the last von erics over on this show yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I told you David's gonna be a cha- David was gonna be a champion, but David died, so Kerry gonna have to do it. But then Kerry shot himself in the face, so Kerry can't do it. Michael and Chris, um, they somewhere lost on the farm. They can't do it either. Kevin so don't want it's it. up to, and, and Kevin don't want the belt because he's a fucking pussy. So <laughs> therefore, uh, and he's barefoot, and I never understood why that little bastard didn't wear no fucking shoes in the ring. But so my last name but, now is Angle. Yeah, so uh, therefore, um, I, I'm going to have to adopt one of these individuals to be a Von Eric for one night only. It's not going to be a Lance. It's not going to be a Lance at all, and I'm not going to adopt a Freebird. So if anything, I think I like that Blackman kid, that, that, that Steve Blackman guy. I think he's I, I, I think he's credible. Um, he, do, he, he don't look good as Kerry, but, um, and he's got both his feet. So um, I, it, it might have to be the, the Blackman guy, or maybe that, maybe the the, the Bradshaw guy, because uh, I hear he likes to drink a lot of beer. But <laughs> anyhow, as I as I go on this tangent here with my Fritz Fine Eric impression, uh, I love um, it, this show, um, I remember watching this as a kid and as a teenager, and throughout the whole show, how hot that crowd was. Oh yeah. They were on fire from the top all the way to the bottom. Like, you know, they that whole arena was on its feet. Um, they opened the show with uh, uh, Triple H um, and Cactus Jack kind of setting the stage for their No Way Out match, uh, the Hell in the Cell match for the title. If Cactus loses, he's no longer allowed to be a part of the World Wrestling Federation. Mm-hmm. And that was also in the same segment where... Um, Cactus's newfound friends, the Radicals, Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko, and Saturn, uh, turned on him and ended up getting their WWF contracts uh, through Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, which would then set up the main event for later in the evening, as we would see, um, you know, Triple H, X-Pac, and uh, the Radicals uh, face Cactus Jack and Triple H had said if you can find four friends you can bring them otherwise you're on your own yeah what and a turn of events bu- like, what, like what a turn of events man like, yeah, these guys come in really hot the and then they, they choose the authority like ooh. yeah you know what's interesting too I was just thinking about this before we started recording um, when I went back and watched this show the other day um, had Eddie Guerrero not gotten hurt in that Smackdown match and and and, and dislocated his elbow would they have gone the route with him turning on Mick Foley would they have gotten contracts I mean you know I'm, I'm kind of curious was that an audible that was called and it ended up working out for them I mean I, I honestly don't know yeah it's um, crazy it's, I mean, it's, it, it makes you wonder it makes you think a little bit Definitely but does. Um, it was a good segment a good way to open the show and uh, really set the tone like I said Dallas crowd was like super into it um uh Billy Gunn and Road Dog would then uh, defeat Edge and Christian um, in the opening, the first official match of the evening. Dudley Boys were on commentary. Uh, Dudley Boys had a little uh, little interaction um, with uh, Edge and Christian mm-hmm. at post-match. And uh, we move on to uh, the next match, uh, Kurt Angle wrestling Mark Henry. That's um, the one I want. 
Yeah, sexual chocolate, Mark Henry. Yeah. Oh, 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 Fritz. Yeah. Fritz is picking Kurt. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm gonna. I, 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 I think I'm gonna go I'm Henry. Gonna, Henry Von I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna adopt that angle boy. Um, <laughs> okay. He's 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 pretty clean cut. I like I like that angle boy. I'm, 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 he I, seems I pure Christian. Yeah, I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't like chocolate, especially of the sexual nature. So, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, the, I'm gonna go with the kid from Pittsburgh because he looked like he a shooter, and uh, someday he gonna be uh, NWA World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, Kurt Angle defeating Mark Henry and May Young, uh, the, uh, the 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 <laughs> the the jilted lover of. Sexual chocolate Mark Henry makes a, uh, a, a an appearance post match and takes she an angle, an slam. angle slam. Yeah. yeah, she gets an angle slam. That's a tough old bitch right there. God rest her soul. Holy cow, man! She she used to take one for the team just about every single week, and you know, bless her heart. She was taking bumps crazier than some of the guys in the roster. Um, mm-hmm. All kidding aside. But uh, so they, yeah, that that happened, and then you know they had to get the stretcher out and. It was, it, I mean, the whole May Young being pregnant thing, yeah. and you know, I just, I was like, what the fuck did Mark Henry do to deserve this? Yeah, I don't know. Like that's have, all I yeah. thought was like he must have pissed someone off or said no to something or he must you know, have been black. Well, sorry. <laughs> wow, that's that's Vince. <laughs> sorry, match three. APA versus the Hollies. No DQ. Yeah. Yeah, this was a fun little match. Um, Highlight for me was when when Viscera tried to hit Bradshaw with the 2x4 and he slipped on the puddle in front of the bar in the backstage area. Yes, yes. And they botched the finish. Yes. I thought that was hilarious. Yes. Um, But, yeah, it was a fun little beat down with both teams. You know, uh, like I said... uh, you know, Bradshaw, he, he, he a tough boy, you know. Uh, uh, he liked a drink of the beer. But, um, yeah, they had a good little brawl for what it was. I mean, that was like in the like in the, in the the thick of things with the hardcore division and the hardcore title at that time in the WWF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then Jericho against Viscera for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, yeah. Next. Yeah, not too much to see here. <laughs> But Bulldog and Lion Salt, Jericho over. Radicals are talking in the back. And then after the break, um, what do we have? We have um, Jacqueline and defeating Luna. Yes. Um, And they had a little thing going, uh, too, because there was like a pre-match thing with like Gangrel and uh, Luna backstage. And Luna was talking about how Jacqueline had like disrespected her or something. So they had like a little... uh, a, a little issue between the two of them. Yeah, we we um, kind of covered it on the Sunday Night Heat too. So, oh well, that was a year yeah, prior. Yeah, they still had that heat, Sunday Night Heat. Yeah. So yeah, they had heat on heat. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before the match, real quick, Jr. Like one year away, he references the XFL coming. Oh God, yeah, Ooh. that's right. Mm. 
That's gonna be a good little piece of business right there. We're gonna get these these guys. They're gonna wear helmets and pads. It's not like it's not gonna be like my boy Doctor Death, because <laughs> Doctor Death can go out there and he can beat a son of a bitch without any pads on, and he can do it just the way we used to do it down in Oklahoma. But they're gonna have these these boys. They're gonna be eleven guys on the field, you know, on each side, and then one's gonna play the offense, and one's gonna play the defense. And then when the referee blows the whistle, it's gonna be a big old slobber knocker, if you will. So uh, yeah, you know you. You're gonna hook them. You're gonna hook them horns, baby, for for XFL. Nice. This year it's Pat Patterson and Jr. on call for XFL <laughs> when they relaunch. Yeah, that would be. Why? Why? What? How come? How come the coach get to slap the butts of all the players when they go on the field? I want to be why, the coach. Why, why can't I be the coach? Why do I got to sit here next to the guy from Oklahoma who can't speak the English, even though my English is a lot worse? <laughs> you know, Pat, uh, you know, uh, you, you're, you're pretty popular with the fellas in the locker room, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, I'm not talking about the wrestlers. I'm talking about the guys with the pads on, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know. Jesus Christ. All right, moving on with the day. Uh, Like this match, at least, dud for me. Not that great. Not as good as the other one. Um, I'll be honest with you, man. Going through this show, like it was a fun show to watch, but um, the match for me that was my favorite was, and I know I'll be skipping ahead, what was the main event? Oh, yeah. um, Let's just cover the match before real quick. Uh, it's yep. it's Godfather and D'Lo against the Dudley boys. Dudley's win with the Dudley dead drop. De- Dudley death drop. Nothing to see here. Right? No. Yeah. Okay, so the no. main event. It's Triple H yeah. and the Radicals against Cactus Jack and the Rock. Dot, dot, dot. And then... And then what happens? And then someone came to make a save because he did it for the rock. <laughs> um, I'm talking about Rikishi and Too Cool. Like they had the music play and they, they ran down, they did the run in. Um, that crowd was, oh man, they were going crazy oh, yeah. during this match. Like it was just a fun match to watch. And I really love this match just based on the audience alone and their participation. The storytelling was, you know, good and. I can't complain about that, but the crowd really, the crowd was like, in, in many ways, like the 11th person, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like in the match, you know, they, just collectively, they brought so much energy to the match. I thought it was, it was very cool to go back and watch it again. And then, uh, you know, post-match, we saw uh, DX and the Radicals beat on the rest of the guys. Billy and Road Dog show up, excuse me, with a couple of lead pipes. And next thing you know, uh, Paul Bearer returns mm-hmm. and we see the return of Kane after he was jilted by that Jezebel Tory. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, and then Kane comes down, cleans house, the baby faces stand tall, and uh, yeah, we have we, you know, we, we set the scene for uh, you know, to, 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 to get out of there as we head into the No Way Out pay per view, but um, a lot of interesting developments on that show but like i said for me it was all about the main event it was just a fun main event to watch and i just remember as a kid watching that episode of raw like i said the crowd was hot but i was super pumped for um for the announcement of cactus and triple h and hell in the cell because i love their new york city street fight from the royal rumble a month prior but 
I was also going to that pay-per-view at No Way Out. It was in my hometown of Hartford, Connecticut. So yeah. I had gotten tickets I had gotten tickets uh, to go to the pay-per-view, so I was really excited that I was going to get to see a Hell in the Cell match. I was like, oh, I, I was like jumping out of my skin. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's awesome. And we will cover that one day here at Marking Out the Days. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's a chance that I might actually do a watch-along of that. Hey, that's okay. I'm kicking out it. On kicking out it too. That's all good. At some point, um, at the end of this month. So stay tuned for more information regarding the potential No Way Out 2000 watch along on kicking out it too. Cool. You ready to mark out the rest of this day? The last fucking date. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched this. I watched this episode of Nitro from. Oh, here we go from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, shit. Um, Rumor sooner. Rumor sooner. My boy Doc, my boy Doc, I'll tell you right now, the toughest son of a bitch. One time I made him drink a whole <laughs> bottle of barbecue sauce and he did it with his eyes closed. Didn't even flinch or nothing. I'm telling you right now, that if, if it wasn't for that Bart Gun and that Brawl for All and that little Vince Russo, <laughs> Doc would have been main event WrestleMania with Stone Cold, I tell you. They switched up my barbecue sauce with my grease. They gave him grease that night, damn it. That man's got a family. Yeah. <laughs> it's WCW Nitro from Tulsa, Oklahoma. February 7th, 2000. Uh, first match is Evan Courageous beating Norman, Sly- Norman Smiley. Nothing to see there. Then we get the... Um, introduction the wall yeah of the wall beating booker t man booker t man oh it's just booker he wasn't even booker Booker, t he was just booker Booker. because remember in wcw you get to lose your name and your your tights and your entrance music and everything else um because that makes a lot of fucking sense and also tonight um david flair is going to be facing terry funk yeesh uh, God damn it! Give me the little bastard. I want that egg sucking dog, Ric Flair, to come out here right now. So then we get because his mother's a whore. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Richard. Um. Then we get match number three: Barbarian against Tank Abbott. Tank Abbott drops Barbarian with one punch, but we have Big Al in the audience. Okay. Oh, you brought up the barbarian. Okay. I have to tell you a hilarious story. Let's do it. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, but I heard this on an episode of uh, One Happened When with Tony Schiavone. So Conrad Thompson, the host of the podcast, he's married to Ric Flair's oldest daughter, Megan Flair. And um, he was telling us he was he was telling a story about um he was at a family gathering or whatever, and David Flair was at the gathering. And sometimes, like in the summertime, David used to travel with Rick when he was a kid, when he was out of school, mm-hmm. uh, when he had, you know, the summers off. And he was in the locker room one time, and uh, the barbarian just jokingly cause, uh, went uh, approached referee Tommy Young, who was, an, uh, who was a homosexual, mm-hmm. and... Uh, he went to Tommy Young and he said, Tommy Young, you come over here, you jack me off right now. Easy <laughs> way the hard way. 
And it became such a phenomenon on that podcast that they've made it into a T-shirt. If you go on ProWrestlingTees.com, you just see the Barbarian's old Powers of Pain face paint, and it says Tommy Young. So every time, every time they do a podcast, especially now that they all do, they do watch-alongs on that show. If there's a if if Tommy Young's on the screen, they'll be like Tommy Young. You come over here, you jack me off easy way or hard way. That is hilarious. Yeah, so David Young tells a story. Conrad was like tickled with it, but it's like the it's like what made like WHW famous for podcasts. But I had to bring that up because cool you brought up the fact that the Barbarian was on a Nitro, yeah. in the year two thousand. <laughs> a, a late showing for him too. Um, later in the show, they flash back because they're playing off a of history, as we've noted, uh, to Ric Flair and uh, Terry Funk match from nineteen eighty nine. Uh, New York knockout. I quit. Clash of champions. That's right. Yep. And then we get yeah. match number four, Terry Funk against David Flair. Yeah, but this uh, advances the angle between Rick and Terry Funk, even though we don't really, you know, want to see that at the time. But yeah, moving on with this episode, Disco Inferno against Stevie Ray. Terrible match. Yeah, because that's going to put some butts in the seats. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Match number six, Brian Knobs against Bam Bam Bigelow for the WCW Hardcore Championship. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I mean. Bam Bam wins. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get match number seven, Kidman against the Demon. Remember the Demon? Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember the Demon. Demon sucks. The fucking asshole that filed the police report because another wrestler stole his fucking gear and he was too pussy enough to not challenge the guy to a fight. Yeah. So he called the cops he, because that was great story time. I'm surprised he made it to this match. I'm sure I'm sure he was filling out that police report all fucking week long um, and, and, and barely made it to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And uh, uh, the demon gets beat with a Frankensteiner here by Kidman. Crowbar comes out and beats down Kidman and then shows his respect to Demon. This is stupid. Sid is shown backstage laughing, and then Liz and Lex are walking with a chair that has Hulkamania written across it. Okay. Liz comes down and praises Hulk Hogan's track record, but he's going to beat him, and uh, yeah. He racked. Yeah, Jimmy Hart came out for this segment too, and they were trying to get the heat on on Lex because Jimmy was his best friend, and yada yada yada. And I was never ever ever a big proponent of Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan no. as a parent. Same I here. Didn't, I didn't that like was the it worst at all. WCW I, mistake ever. Yeah. Well, WWF did it before <sighs> too. When, when in '93, like right before yes, you know true. that WrestleMania, and that was confusing. Um, yeah, and I was like, Jimmy Hart's a little weasel. Like, why did Hulk Hogan doesn't need a manager? Mm-hmm. Like, Hulk Hogan just fine on his own. All of a sudden, you know, put him with Jimmy Hart. Like, I never liked it. I never liked it, never bought into it. That was one of those cases where, like, Jimmy Hart was such a good little weasel yep. as a bad guy that, like, I couldn't buy, I couldn't, I couldn't picture him being a good guy. And, and you know what I mean? So yep. I hated it. So this was their way of, like, trying to get some heat on Luger because Hogan was coming back and they, you know, had him beat up Jimmy Hart, but nobody gave a shit. Nobody no. gave a shit what was going on in that match or in that storyline or even on this show in general. No. Um, Shows with the main really event, cared. too. 
Um, yeah. yeah. The main event is Sid Vicious defending his WCW World Championship against Scott Hall. Scott Hall actually getting another WCW World Heavyweight Championship that we didn't mention on last week's show. Um, That's Oh, yeah. We talked about that recently. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Scott with only limited. Just Razor Ramon Scott um, Hall his, Championship bout. Title shots. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is the end of NWO Silver and Black in a way, kind of, right? Um, as yeah, Jarrett Jeff, pretty much. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jarrett pretty much just kind of like put the you know he put the final nail in the coffin for the group when he pretty much you know let his ego get the best of him, take over, and and uh, you know he wanted to be the champ, but you know Nash was kind of out, and he was the commissioner, and Scott Hall was in and out, and they had you know the Nazis, Harrison, you know the Harris brothers part of the group um the only thing that's memorable about this show kobe not not the main event certainly not terry funk um but the shoot promo that scott steiner cut in the middle of the show rub me through rick flair we skipped it a little bit but but jared um you know uh let you know let it be known that um Sid was going to face Scott Hall. Scott Hall didn't really want to do that, but um, Jarrett kind of like pushed him into it. And then Scott Steiner, just for no reason, just started shooting on Ric Flair. Ric Flair wasn't even involved in, in, in the storyline with the NWO. He had his own stuff with Terry Funk, just basically, you know, talking about, you know, his issues with Flair behind the scenes. This would eventually get him suspended from WCW. Mm-hmm in real life behind the scenes because he like went off script and just basically blasted Ric Flair. Um, the, the suspension wouldn't last very long, but, um, the, uh, um, you know, the, the ramifications from the, um, the, the shoot promo would lead to, um, you know, later on down the line in WCW Steiner's personality becoming more, um, more like his real life persona, or mirroring some of the, the the opinions that he had in real life behind Ric Flair, and it was one that I think they used that as one of the the catalysts to um, the the New Blood Millionaires Club storyline later on in the year. Oh, definitely. As like definitely. you know, like Steiner, you know, kind of you know speaking out, you know, for the young guys against the older guys. Oh, I agree. Um, and that was like the, the like the beginning of it, I guess, with him and Flair. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so yeah, definitely a remarkable moment for that. I will leave everybody with that audio at the end of this show. Um, Dave, that's about a, like a two or three minute rant that he does too, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah he goes on for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave, overall, this, this show has been action packed. We did it before two hours. High five to you from Maryland. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, that was a lot, man. We had a lot. We we we, we crammed a lot in there. We 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 Tommy jammered all those shows <laughs> into the into the butthole of marking out the days. That's for sure. Yeah, we managed to get you know special guest appearances by Pat Patterson, Fritz von Eric, Jim Ross, and so many others. That's going to be the next three man booth for the XFL. I tell you right now. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, Oklahoma and Texas and and uh, and, and Montreal. That's a that's a nice little uh, you know. Uh, yeah, cultural uh, love it. representation love in the booth it, yeah. for the XFL. Um, uh, you want to plug your sites, and then I will plug yeah. mine, and then we will sign off, and then I'll give everybody the audio, and then we will catch everybody next week for February 14th, Valentine's Day. February f- days. 
Yeah, February 14th, marking off the days. We're going to cover WWF St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I'm sure we're going to have some 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 uh, moments from Raw and Nitro. I'm sure there's going to be some birthdays. I'm sure people have passed away. You know how we do. You just got to hit the download button each and every week and join us for marking off the days. Um, some shows may be longer than others, like this one this week. However, um, you're going to have a lot of fun with us each and every week on the Magic School Bus of Pro Wrestling Podcast that is marking out the days. Um, as far as kicking out two goes, Head on over to SoundCloud.com. You can find our latest show, Mania Game Changers, covering moments that had altered the landscape of WrestleMania in years past. We cover some some moments from 1988, 1992, 1997, so on and so forth. Check that out next week over at SoundCloud.com. You could also find our uh, our Valentine's Day inspired edition of Kicking Out of Two as we do a top 14 countdown of the greatest breakups in wrestling history from managers and clients valets tag team partners alliances of groups of sorts we have it all top 14 breakups in all of wrestling history over kicking out of two next week and if you want to be a part of all the fun that we have on kicking out of two each and every week then you can find us on social media facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two hit the like button if you have already done that tell someone else to hit the like button and uh, if you have a twitter as well we are on twitter our handle is at kicking out two k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two all the same fun but 140 to 220 characters or less and that's what's doing over in the land of kicking out at two that's right and over at retromania we have hawkmania is dead as well as gaijin wrestling radio and some bonus episodes look out for match of the month from gaijin wrestling radio for february as well as gaijin wrestling radio catching up with New Japan Pro Wrestling and ROH from the past week uh, with their G1 Road to Supercard as well as The New Beginning. Yeah, all that there on Retromania at Retromania with a W on Facebook at Retromania Pod on Twitter and you can always write to us at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. Please like, rate, review, subscribe both of our shows, Dave and I. It helps us grow. We want to have this community grow. And uh, as always, we'll catch you next week on February 14th as we mark out the days. This has been a pleasure. Here's that uh, Scott Steiner audio. This really scares me, Cody. As you can see, when Big Papa Pump comes to town, all my hooches come around. But it's just a damn shame that we had to leave L.A. and come to this cesspool called Tulsa. But last night when I was kicking it in a bootio, proving that I was the daddy, that I was the king of the night. <laughs> but I'm not one to brag. Madeja, Kim, why don't you tell me what it's like to be with the Purple Warrior? The what? You're not just any man between the sheets, honey. Kim, why don't you tell him what he's really like? Oh, that's right. Big pop of pumps not And he just, he's our Superman. You're damn straight. So this goes to all my freaks out there. Big pop of pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. He's right about Tulsa, Tony. You know what you get when you spell Tulsa backwards, don't you? Oh, I'm done. <laughs>
No, I don't. Think about it. Okay. Now, last week, I was watching TV, and I watched a 53-year-old man come out here who has more loose skin than a Sharpay puppy come out here and say he's still the man. I seen Ric Flair, number two, the nature boy, come out here who's been the butt end of all the jokes because he's supposed to be the limousine riding, jet flying son of a gun. But I'm saying one time you should have took a cab and used that money to fix your crooked yellow teeth. So I had to ask myself, if WCW was going to hire the nature boy number two, why would they hire the nature boy, the original nature boy, Buddy Rogers? Now, I don't know that Buddy Rogers is dead, dead. God rest his soul, but Ric Flair, your career is dead. And I know as he lays six feet under, he's still styling and profiling because when you used your little brain and stole his name, there's one thing you couldn't steal, and that was his class. So when you walked down that aisle last week, I know I wasn't alone, because the people at home, all they did was grab their remote, change the channel to the WWF, and watch Stone Cold, a person you and your old friends got fired from here because you're a jealous old bastard. So Ric Flair, remember this, in this wrestling business, there's never been a bigger ass-kissing, butt-sucking bastard in this business, but also in life, you're the biggest ass-kissing, back, back-stabbing, butt-sucking bastard. And you belong where you're at at WCW, because WCW sucks. And so do you.